This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The Rays Radio Network proudly presents This Week in Rays Baseball. Drilled to center field and deep. Back on it is he To the track. To the wall. It's gone! Kevin Longoria with a two-run home run to straightaway center, and he gives the Rays a 6-4 lead here in the ninth. Coming up, we'll recap the action from this past week, take a look around Major League Baseball, and sit down for in-depth interviews with the biggest names in the game. The 2-2 now. Check swing on the slider. Strike three. Chris Archer jumps off the mound and bounces his way to the dugout. Here's your host, Neil Solons. Hi, everybody. Welcome to our show today from Hooters, Tyrone Square Mall in St. Petersburg, where we have a raised watch party later on today. On today's program, we'll talk with Malik Smith about representing his home state. We'll be joined by Mark Topkin of the Tampa Bay Times from Anaheim. Senior VP and GM Eric Neander will discuss his thoughts on the race so far. Chad Matola breaks down what's made Corey Dickerson so successful and much more. We continue on this week in race baseball. Our featured guest this week is one Malik Smith. Malik, first of all, what has the opportunity the last few months meant to you? Um, you know, honestly, every time you have a jersey on your back, um, number, last name, you, you got an opportunity. So um, it's just been wonderful. You know, every day is a brand new opportunity for me. From the smile on your face, from the way you attack the game of baseball, it's obviously you have a tremendous passion. Where did that passion start? Um, I think I'm a competitor more than anything. I, um, I've always been a competitor. I've always hung out with my older older siblings. I wanted to keep up with them, and they were athletes. So to keep up with them, you had to be pretty good. Being younger, you wanted to be able to compete. So, I mean just had to I had to bring it and um I just enjoy competing it's fun now you're the youngest of four was it and and mom dad who's who who's like uh are they both real good athletes and if so who are you more like both of them are real good athletes I'm probably more like my father my mom is um she's not cocky but (laughs) she is um she'll let you know that she's good so <laughs> my dad doesn't really say much um apparently he was some superstar back in the day and everybody tells me stories about him all the time i've never heard him talk about himself when it comes down to sports was there a decision for you between sports or was baseball always the game that you loved the most uh, i love football that was my first love um and um but baseball had more opportunity so i i went with baseball and obviously you made the right choice. When did when did it come down to having to make a decision like that for you? And when did you kind of decide how, how long did you play both? Uh, my senior year of high school is when I was when I came when I came to the conclusion that baseball would probably work better than me. And um I mean it just broken broke down doors that I had never seen open, you know. So and I just took on the challenge. And obviously successfully so far 
Were there players, though, that you watched growing up that you wanted to be like? Because obviously you're a unique player in the game today, the way the game has evolved. Um, I mean, I, of course I've always wanted to be like Ken. You know, I feel like everybody wanted to be like Ken and Jeter. Um, but um, the more I learned the game, you know, like a Ricky Henderson type of guy, Juan pierre you know, those can all be my player, and I still want to be like Ken. So. <laughs> you can go really old school. You know, do you know the name Brett Hayes? <laughs> Willie Mays Hayes run like Mays hit like Hayes. I mean, run like Hayes hit like Mays. Oh, I want to be like Willie Mays. We got the same birthday, so I feel like it's only right for me to be like him. If we talk about old school, I, I was I wasn't gonna go that far back, but since you mentioned that, I mean, have you ever had been fortunate enough to have met him or anything of that nature? Never met him. Um, the closest thing to him I've got to meet is Hank Aaron. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's nice. That's awesome. I would I would think so. I've met him too, and and he's as nice as he was talented, which I think says something about him. Right. He, um, I feel like when you when you go around him, he has like a glow that just kind of draws you into him. So it's it's pretty cool. More, yeah, a Hall of Fame individual as much as he is a player. And you know, I, I was actually going to mention someone in between there, uh, Brett Butler. And the reason I mentioned that is because of how good or how well he bunted at the time and how good you are at it. Have you studied him at all? He used to bunt with two strikes and stuff. I'm still like, I'm like, man, that's that's gutsy. But that's that's a smart move, you know. Um, hit homers. Like, that's, I mean, a guy who's bunting and hitting homers, that is a unicorn these days. So I guess I should work on my homer game. <laughs> Again, we're chatting with Malik Smith on this weekend race baseball. Tell me how the the whole bunning thing though started with you. Obviously, you run well, but but there are a lot of people who run well who don't pay as much attention to it and focus on it as much as you do. A hit's a hit, period. The pitcher's going to try to get you out. You need to find a way to get on base. Get on base any way you know how. So. If I can bunt to get on base, I'll bunt. If you take away the bunt and leave some holes open in the swing, then I'll swing. Period. Got to be good at both. So you practice both. What are you learning as you get your first or your first extended opportunity with the Rays? Because you did get a significant opportunity last year before you got hurt with Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Um, just, you know, take advantage of the day. Um, and by taking advantage of the day is for getting fully prepared for the day, you know, where it's getting your body loose and doing whatever pregame rituals that you feel comfortable, comfortable enough uh, or what makes you feel comfortable when you're, you know, getting ready for the game, you know, staying on top of your routine, things like that. That's very important. And um, just knowing, especially being over here, this division is a very, very tough division. So you got to bring it every day. You know, all of baseball is tough. You know, all of, you know, playing sports at the highest level is going to be tough. But this is a tough division. So you got to be ready to bring it every day. So don't, even if you're not starting, you know, you got to be ready. Joe Madden, had, and you obviously get to see him in Chicago recently, had, had said when Kevin Kiermaier was coming through, the biggest thing, he never wanted to coach the aggression out of a player like KK. Um, you want to find that fine line between – you know, being as aggressive as you are, but also learning, okay, when's the right time? How hard is that? How, and how fine is that line to learn, you know, kind of that fine line of aggression, but also, look, you got Corey Dickerson and Longo and Lomo behind you. 
Um, you know, that that can be pretty hard, especially for a younger guy. Um, you just you, you want to make so many things happen and, and be such a, a pleasure to the team that you can find yourself hurting the team in the same manner that you're trying to help. So uh, <clears throat> just when you truly understand that it's okay to to not take the extra base sometimes or to not steal, um, then you just feel comfortable with um, uh, and, and I guess your biggest learning curve is when you don't, you know, try to be overly aggressive and then, you know, a guy like a Corey Dixon hits a home run. It's like, look, you're on first. You got some fastballs here at the park. That's what you, you know, that's what your job was, you know. And instead of, you know, maybe going to get thrown out, then he can pitch to him any type of way he want. And then, um, you know, now he's uh, um, you just messed up the inning. You killed the inning. You know, you do that enough times, you'll 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 figure out a way. How helpful has Rocco been? Because I, I I've heard how helpful he has been to many others with the running game, with the outfield game, all of that. Rocco's been very informal. You know, um, if I don't know, it's not from a lack of information that he got me, you know, or provided for me. So I, in that sense, that I just um, I appreciate that because. Uh, you know that you have somebody doing some homework too, not just you know you showing up and you're gonna figure out everything out on your own. You got a lot of help coming from your staff and, and like Rocco. We touched on you know the fact that you've had this opportunity, obviously, of taking advantage of it. But what has it meant to be a Floridian to get this opportunity in front of your home state? Oh, it's been awesome. You know, um, I love Florida. You know, I've been to a lot of places, and I still think I want to live in Florida. So um, that's nice. And then, um, you know, I, I, I rep Florida. <laughs> I represent Florida. So it's, it, it's just like a bonus being able to represent and play in my home state, and you know, help out the, help out the team. That's it, it's it's really nice. For you, what do you do when you're away from? the field to try and relax because this game as you know as much as attention as you pay to it it can consume you a little bit um you know it doesn't i mean when i leave here i'm fine you know <laughs> like I'm, I'm genuinely a regular person so when i leave here i am I, i'm i don't even i'm not a baseball player anymore you know i'm just malix um and i'm really a country kid I don't do much. I just kind of sit outside all day, so it's perfectly easy for me. Like I don't, I don't, I don't live a super flashy life to the point where, or I'm so stressed out about a baseball game where I can't relax in my downtime. Certainly makes it easier to perform when you can do that. Hunt, fish, watch movies. What's your what's your pleasure when you're away from the field? fish and sit out like i genuinely like to just sit outside and like watch the trees or the weather or the people whatever it just somewhere with maybe some shade over me sitting down just chilling relaxing and the kind of fish you like to catch doesn't matter you know i'm not i'm not fresh water or, or salt water i am just you trying to go fishing let's go like i think fishing is just peaceful you can sit out the same thing. I can sit out there and cast my rod and just relax. I've also watched you engage and interact with a lot of kids, be it at Tropicana Field, and I know you did it with the RBI program on um, one of the road trips that Chris Archer had done. How important is that for you? And and who were your role models when you were growing up on baseball? 
Um, it's important for me. Um, my biggest role model is my father growing up. A lot of kids don't have their fathers in their life, especially uh, kids that look like me. So um, making sure that putting a positive uh, spin in, in a kid's life is um, very important to me. You don't know what that could do for a kid, you know. I know some people that did a lot for me, and they only spent a little bit of time with me. So I, I just try to return the favor whenever I can. What do you remember? Do you remember your first major league game? Um, first major league game, I called up April 11. Um, I was going to say going to a game as a kid. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> um, I, I went to like two major league games when I was younger. One was in Kansas City. One was in um, one was in um. Oh, here, yeah. One was here versus the Yankees. And um, it was cool. You know, I was too young to appreciate the games both times. Um, I know the second time was here, and um, I saw the game, and I remember watching it and watching to see Alex Rodriguez and Derek Jeter, but I didn't really watch the game. So all I can remember is hanging out with my friends. Well, that's still not a bad thing. At least you had positive memories, which is important too. Definitely. Um you know, that was something different for me, going to a major league game. There's no major league teams and there's no any professional teams in Tallahassee. So um, just to be able to go was a blessing. Five years from now in baseball, where do you want to be? As a player, how do you want to be seen by fans? By or what, what, If someone says now, who is Malik Smith, what are they saying? Uh, uh, Malik Smith established a uh, major league baseball player. Um, hopefully I got some... Belt, uh, championships under my belt, um, but just in baseball, just major league—that's uh, a professional right there. You know, that's a professional major league baseball player. Well, so far, so good. You've certainly been professional here, and hopefully, building toward that championship run as this year goes on. We appreciate some time on this week in race baseball. Thank you very, thank you for having me. Have a good one, Malik Smith. Again, joining us. We continue right after this. You're listening to the Race Baseball Network. Welcome back to This Week in Race Baseball. Neil Solon's with you. Hooters, Tyrell Square Mall in St. Petersburg. Of course, this week, the All-Star Game. Corey Dickerson started as the DH, and I spoke with hitting coach Chad Matola this week about what it's been like watching Dickerson evolve. It's been a lot of fun. I mean, he's worked his butt off in the offseason every day, daily, and then the game starts, whether it's leadoff or second hole, the Dickerson show starts pretty quick. What has it meant to you, and how surprised are you, if at all, based on what you saw in the offseason and the work he did in spring training? I'm not surprised what he's doing when you saw how he worked and how he came in the offseason, but you cautiously don't put such high goals on guys because you don't want them to press for it. But now that he's doing it, I'm not surprised at all. What makes him such a special hitter, and what allows him to have, at least to this point, such a terrific year. I mean, he eats, drinks, and sleeps hitting. Uh, from the handles on his bat to the ounces on his bat to the different stances, he's developed more of a plan this year of why all these changes come about, where in years past, in talking and conversations and being around him briefly, it was more if the other one didn't work, let's just try that one, where now life experience is happening, and if he has some uh, troubles in different stances or different bats or weights or something he's changed it based on the result of the prior one not just randomly what what skills does he possess that make him so unique because he seems to a be doing so much well with well everywhere but i mean two strikes and also with runners in scoring position 
I mean, his hand-eye, his barrel ability to adjust it all the time, he, it's just special. Like I said, in work, you see it, and it sticks out compared to all other major leaguers. And these guys are all elite guys. But he sticks out even in his work he does. So that's when you go and you, you dream on him a little bit, and now he's executing, and it's like I said, it's fun to watch. I remember when the race first acquired him, and I ran into Dante Bichette, who had him in Colorado, and Dante said, this kid has the skill, I don't know if he ever will, to win a batting title. Um, and I know that's not as important in this day and age with Don Base and OPS, et cetera, but is, do you see that, that same ability? Oh, yeah. I mean, I see it this year. And he still hasn't reached his max potential. That's the thing. He has the ability to win it this year, and he's still learning and still adjusting and still getting more consistent as the year goes. So, I mean, I wouldn't mind seeing multiple batting titles. Moments, or are there moments that stick out to you in terms of the special things he's done this season that stand out and, wow, you know, this has a chance to be that kind of year in the regular season? No, like I said, every day it's the Dickerson show. He comes out, whether it's a home run to pull side, a home run opposite field, a double off the bounce ball, uh, fouling off pitches over his head. It's one of those things that you you don't know what you're going to get, but, you know, it's going to be fun to watch. You said he can still even get better. Where can he get better? I mean, like I said, when you're around guys that are at this elite level and somebody sticks out of the way they just can adjust the barrel and have the bat in the zone for that long of time, don't put limits on them. And it's one of those things that, like, he, he's getting more consistent. Obviously, he made the left-handed pitching adjustment this year. And then next year, who knows what he's going to do next year. It's one of those things that he has the ability to hit any pitch. I think some people also don't realize how hard it is to DH to and adjust to that and he came over from the national league i know he's also playing a lot of left field but do you think that also is a mental adjustment that he's become much better at absolutely it's hard to be the designated hitter all game when that's all you do is think about hitting when you go on defense you're able to take your mind off it and occupy your mind in others way other ways but when he's doing all the thinking about hitting and then that's an out is made he sometimes last year would over adjust to make too many adjustments when sometimes the pitchers just get you out so it's definitely an adjustment that he's made and taken to and how has what he's done can it rub off or has rubbed off on other players or helped other players grow because of just seeing how he carries himself and how he works there's no doubt hitting's contagious it's one of those things that he slows the game down when maybe some guys make we make six outs in a row we know Corey has the ability to come up and barrel the baseball or find a hole beat the shift whatever he, he's doing which gives everybody a chance to kind of take a deep breath and his hand eye with two strikes i know it's unique to him but do you think that also rubs off i mean you guys have cut down your strikeouts considerably since the beginning portion of the schedule well it's one of those things that we knew we weren't going to keep that pace up but it, it, it's part of being aggressive and it's part of the growing pains and then you learn you want to go overly aggressive at the beginning rather than just easing into things and it's paid off and guys have now gotten counts where they've kind of fought pitches off spoil I like to say and it'll continue to get better for Rays fans as well good stuff from Rays hitting coach Chad Matola we now move on to Anaheim with a guy who covered Corey Dickerson in the all-star game and has been with the Rays every step of the way Every season, that's Mark Topkin of the Tampa Bay Times. Topper, thanks for coming on. Anytime, Neil. You know it's always the highlight of my week. (laughs) You had plenty of highlights of this week to touch on, and you wrote about them today in the Tampa Bay Times. What what is going to stand with you or stand out to you in terms of the all-star experience from a race perspective? 
Well, I think it was interesting to see it kind of through Corey Dickerson's eyes. I mean, obviously, you know, he didn't share everything, but, you know, just uh, the pace that it was at. And it was a little bit of a – there were a little some logistical issues in Miami there just facility-wise and organizational-wise, so that may have added to it. But it was interesting just to see Corey. He felt like he was swimming upstream the whole time. I thought his analogy that it felt like the busiest day in New York was a, it was a great one. And uh, yet the reward he got of, you know, when he ran out there in the lineup and then getting to bat and – so that was kind of cool, and obviously you know, there were some x-rays there. It was good to see. And Chris Archer, certainly, even though he didn't play, uh, made a presence of himself. I mean, strutting around with his uh, World Baseball Classic gold medal when he pitched one game for them in four innings at that was kind of interesting. But, you know, we all know Chris, he likes the attention. And that certainly drew it to him, too. So overall, it was, it was a good experience. Will Vragovic, our photographer, was there with us as well and did uh, some great work, too. And some uh, great work so far by the Rays in the first two games after the break, beginning with Jake Free. I mean, you talk about hectic. What he did, and you documented it well in the Times on Friday night, was, was quite impressive. It was, Neil. And, and I thought, you know, the way he pitched, knowing there were so many people there, and he went on and on saying how, you know, he was going to treat this like any other game. And, and you just, you know, we've all been around and seen that and heard that before, and you realize it's not going to work that way. And, he admitted as much after the game Friday and, you know, saying even just landing on the plane, you know, realizing he was at the airport he always flies into and driving down streets that were familiar and having breakfast with his dad and his brother on a start day in the big leagues, which he'd obviously never done before. So there were so many reasons it wasn't, besides the fact that he had 200 fans there. But, you know, even more impressive than all that, Neil, and I'm not even sure as much as uh, you're on your ball with everything that you know, he remembered the first kiss with the woman who's about to be his wife now. I mean, do you remember your first kiss with your wife? Can we stay away from that one so I don't get any trouble on the show? You already got Andy in trouble. <laughs> hey, Andy's here. He actually told me to ask you that. Yeah, I figured. Um, let's let's move to what's going on on the field. And today the Rays get Tim Beckham back, but Wilson Ramos is still out. How much of a concern is it short and long term? Well, I, I think that there was some concern yesterday, and I know, you know, just as part of my typical due diligence reporting, I kept checking the Durham box score to see if Kurt Sally was pulled out of the game. He was the DH last night. But mm-hmm. talking to Wilson Ramos this morning, he said he feels much better. He got some treatment from Ron Porterfield and the athletic training staff here, and he thinks he should be able to be in the lineup tomorrow. I was curious. He said it didn't, it didn't bite him bad, but he was a little bit scared when it happened and he shared an interesting anecdote here that when he came back from his knee surgery a few years ago the first knee surgery he had a hamstring issue in a couple games back and he said that's what kind of worried him because that kept him out for a little while but he didn't think this was nearly as severe and he he also said you'll get a kick out of this Neil he said that when he got back to the dugout he told Brad Miller next time just hit a home run so I don't have to score from first (laughs) (laughs) well done well done hey the 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 thing that I thought was most interesting about what you wrote today was The players kind of imploring to keep the band together. I I get a sense they are going to keep the band together as long as they keep playing well, don't you? Yeah, I think so. And and I've had a few people ask me, you know, why would you write that? Why wouldn't that be an obvious uh, point here? And and yet it's not always been the case. And we've seen, Mm -hmm. you know, not just this organization, but other organizations, they have to be cold-hearted sometimes. They have to have a bigger picture view. They have to look to the future. Andrew Friedman always used to use the line, you know, one eye on the present, one eye on the future. And you know, and trying to be not be suboptimal in the moves that he made. But, you know, they, they have to kind of keep that perspective. And Alex Cobb is the prime example. But there's a handful of guys on this team that had the Rays not been playing. Well, I think this would be, have been a very hectic July. I mean, Logan Morrison is a free agent to be. Tommy Hunter's a free agent to be. Guys that are doing well. There's guys that are going to get big, big raises. Alex Colomay's first-time arbitration eligible next year. Steven Souza Jr.'s first-time arbitration eligible mm-hmm. next year. 
Corey Dickerson is going to get a huge raise. He's already eligible for arbitration. So there's a lot of reasons that they could have broken this up. But I think the point being that if they keep playing well, they are likely to keep the team together. I don't know if that's 100% for sure. And here's the other thing, Neil, is that right now, you know, they're two and a half behind the Red Sox and the division title is obviously should be and is their goal. But if they were to slip back over the next couple of weeks, you know, if you're just looking at a wild card spot, while that's a berth in the tournament, you're kind of just getting into that coin flip game. So would you, you know, how much would you pass on adding or flip that around? Are the Rays going to go out and add themselves? How much are they going to give up to bolster a team if that's the chance? So the best thing the players can do, if they want to, you know, if they're sincere, and Evan Longoria I thought was very, you know, straightforward and very strong-worded in his comments in today's Tampa Bay Times, if you really feel that way, then you need to back it up and go out and win. If they stay in this division race specifically over these next two weeks, I think that portends very well for the team being kept together and possibly adding maybe a bullpen guy, maybe a right-handed bat. Mark, good stuff as usual. I recommend people read it in the Times, and thanks for coming on this week in Race Baseball. Anytime, Neil, and I want you to think about that question I asked you and get back to me on that answer. All right. That is Mark Topkin at the Tampa Bay Times. Joining me next, Senior Vice President and GM of the Rays, Eric Neander. Eric, let's start with uh, the fact that considering all the injuries, 11 players still on the DL. Is this team even ahead of where you would have expected at this point? I don't think necessarily ahead. We, right, wrong, stubborn, whatever, uh, went into this winter believing in the core of this team despite the struggles last year. Uh, with that, the depth was something that we wanted to enhance this winter and wanted to acquire some skill sets that, that gave us a little bit of a you know a better mix, I think, more diversity across our skill sets uh, to put us in a position where we could weather the storm if some injuries hit uh, to key players and so on and so forth. So uh, to be in the situation where four games over at the break and I think more recently the way we've been playing uh, I don't think it's a surprise. Um, this is something I think within the core of this group we felt had the potential to do something like this and now that some guys are coming back you know Wilson Box etc it's putting us in a position where we're optimistic that this is hopefully just the start of what could be a special summer for them you did this week you know lose Colby Rasmus officially um, with him on the restricted list how does that impact your outfield depth or do you have enough with KK resuming baseball activities now yeah it's you know we wish Colby nothing but the best when he was on the field for us and his contributions in the clubhouse um, was fantastic and uh, exactly what we had hoped for and then some. But looking at looking at our team, you know, KK being nicked up now, hope to have him back. But the job that Petey's done, the job that guys that have, you know, Malik's that have been asked to, to take on more of the load have really stepped up and, and made it easier. So um, that's why you have the depth and, and kudos to those guys for when they've been in position to have the opportunity to come in and get their shot. They've they've taken advantage of it, and that's all you can ask. So, you know, we'll we'll go into the, the the deadline, you know, in the outfield and just all over, looking for ways to get better. But um, we're really pleased with what we've gotten out of the guys internally. If I would have said you guys were going to acquire Dania Chavria at the beginning of the season, you probably would have laughed at me. So. Does that basically, does that move say that you guys are going to be more opportunistic and not necessarily look in one area, but look for the best way to improve the team's overall record, regardless of position? Yeah, I think when you have a competitive club, the goal is how, you know, you, you want to make it more competitive. And there are, you know, certain areas of the team that, you know, might stand out to have more room for improvement than others, and that's going to happen. But when it comes to upgrading your club, and especially when you have a competitive club, 
the areas to upgrade, you know, can be more limited, but you want to have as open of a mind as possible. And, um, you know, the etch trade is an example where Tim Beckham and what he was doing at shortstop was, you know, phenomenal. Uh, but this was a guy with, you know, a little bit of a different skill package than, than Tim's were to bring him in to put him in the mix was something we felt made us a better team. And, um, it wasn't necessarily something we were looking to go out and do, but the opportunity presented itself at a price we thought made sense, and we wanted to, to jump at it. So I think over the next couple of weeks, we will continue to, you know, like you said, to be opportunistic, to try to find a way to improve our club if it's in an area that, you know, is more obvious or it's not. That doesn't really matter to us. If the opportunity is there, we think we have a way to get better. We want to try to pursue that. Do you think there's more needs right now on the offensive side of the ball, the defensive side, or the pitching? right now it's a it's a good question i think relative to our history here the run prevention hasn't been as good as it's been at you know some of our better points in the past our run scoring has probably been towards the better end of where things have been you know over the last at least 10 years or so uh, the Rays era but you know that's that's what's happened to date you know it's one of those things where you look at what our offense has done to date, you're really excited about it. At the same time, you know, it's the same group that, you know, largely a lot of those guys were here last year, and <laughs> it was a different perception. So that's not to take anything away from We believe that what we've gotten this year is more of who they are, but uh, all things to be mindful of as you look forward and, and what you expect. But um, I think generally speaking, you know, the run, pro- the run production side has been in a really good place. Uh, we are you know, have a lot of confidence in our group that that will continue moving forward this year as more representative of who they are. The run prevention side, you know, getting boxed back, what we've seen in the early going here has been really encouraging. Um, hopefully some things settle down on that side of the ball, you know, but I, I think to, to pick one side or the other, you could go either way. I think to date, if things that have happened will continue to happen, then I think the run prevention side is where we definitely need to get better. And the team is in a division which appears to be winnable. How much does your decision-making at the deadline going into winning the division versus the wild card where you're also in a good spot? There's a lot of value to winning the division, you know, to go through 162 games and to compete with the teams in our division, you know, the tremendous clubs in our division that you have to compete against. To be able to go through 162 and come out on top, um, it's – a tremendous achievement in and of itself and above and beyond that obviously not having to play a one game <laughs> do or die to avoid that and to advance beyond that has a lot of value for your chances of winning the world series so uh, winning a division for a lot of different reasons uh, carries a lot of value thrilled to be in a position where we're only three and a half out you know coming out of the break here we need to, to keep it going and i think the more that we smell the division and can go that way the the more I think we'll want to try to, you know, to, to push with the team that we have and to do everything we can to, to improve them. And that's Senior Vice President and GM Eric Neander coming up here from some AAA Rays All-Stars and a player in his first month with the big club. After this, on the Rays Baseball Network. Well, we continue on this week in Rays Baseball. The Rays AAA affiliate Durham had four players named to the All-Star game this year. One of them is catcher Mike Marjima, who now joins us. Mike, congratulations. Tell me what it's meant for you to be at a All-Star game at the AAA level. Hey, well, uh, first of all, thank you. I appreciate it. Um, it's kind of surreal, honestly. Um, 
something you go into every season. Obviously, you'd really love to have, and uh, this being my first one, it uh, it definitely feels good. Uh, you know, this being the seventh year and everything, and in in, uh, in professional baseball. So this being the first one, especially at the AAA level, is uh, very humbling for me. What's the biggest reason why you've had the success that you've had individually? Uh, individually, I think it comes down to just the, the, the player development that we have here. Um, I mean, first of all, I start with our catching coordinator, Paul Hoover, who has, I think, transformed me into the, into the player I am now, especially defensively. Um, you know, Chad Matoli is our hitting coordinator. Uh, all the guys that have been able to put their hands on me, especially this year having Craig Albernaz here um, before he left to be the manager of uh, Hudson Valley there. Uh, being able to work with him every day and pick these guys' brains has been uh, tremendous, and it's been a, a huge blessing for me. You know, you mentioned the player development. You came over um, about, what, three seasons ago, and you moved from high A to double A to triple A. Give us an idea where you were then and where in your game you've grown both offensively and defensively. Uh, you know, I think it's a, it's a funny thing. I, you know, someone asked me the other day, you know, well, what do you, you really embrace this underdog thing? I said, yeah, I don't really embrace it. You know, it's, it's just something that I think has kind of come with is when I got uh, traded over here, when I started in Port Charlotte, um, I was kind of like the third, third catcher, you know, kind of maybe play every once in a while. And um, then I was able to kind of start hitting and maybe figure some things out and was given an opportunity to kind of play first base when I, Casey Gillespie broke his hand and then uh, had a good year there. And I think every year just trying to learn something new and uh, come to the ballpark every day and, and keep picking these guys' brains. And I think as the transition has gone further and further and the more I can dive in with, uh, you know, Paul Hoover and, and all, the, all the guys we have here in the organization – uh, it's really, really helped my career, and I think, you know, to now it's, it's been awesome. Jared Sandberg, you know, has raved about what you've done next to the plate, but more so behind it. What, what do you think has allowed you to improve from a defensive standpoint, or where do you think you're better, blocking, receiving, uh, game calling? Where do you think you've grown the most? Um, you know, I think it's always the really emphasis on being behind the plate now has come into receiving, and it's something that everyone's trying to put a number on. Uh, you know, how many strikes you can steal, um, you know, the pitchers, ERAs, all those things come into play. So I think that's something, I, an area I would like to improve on. Um, my throwing percentage is, is excellent this year, not, I think, because of definitely some of the improvements I've made with, with Paul Hoover and with Albie, um, but that goes to our pitching staff. Um, you know, and the, our organization is prioritizing holding the ball, holding runners, uh, you know, changing your times, varying holds, all that stuff. And so they put a huge emphasis on that, and that helps us definitely as a, as a catching core in the organization. Uh, but all around, never really satisfied with where I am. Um, I always want to improve everything, and, you know, I don't ever have anything figured out. And so, by all means, I'm, I'm ready to block better, receive better, throw better, um, and always learning how to call a better game. Wilson Ramos has done a terrific job here since coming off the DL. Did you pick his brain at all when he was uh, rehabbing in Durham? Yeah, and definitely watching, uh, definitely watching, and, and seeing how he goes about his business. Um, I mean, shoot, we have great major league experience in this clubhouse as well mm -hmm. with Mike McHenry and Kirk Casale, and those guys are tremendous guys. Uh, you couldn't get two better guys, uh, just nice guys, first of all, uh, but second of all, guys that, that know the game and have been around. And so being able to pick their brains and them uh, kind of call a game uh, along with them is it's huge. And having Wilson here and, and watching him go about his business is uh, it's something that, you know, for a guy like me, I, I cherish. 
You know, you overcame a lot just to get to this point, and I don't think most of our Rays fans know your backstory. Can you kind of give us your your synopsis of what you overcame as, I guess, a high school athlete? Yeah, you know, in uh, in high school, um, there's definitely some things that I, I had to battle through. Um, you know, my eating was one that everyone kind of sees. Um, I didn't play baseball my junior year. Uh, my senior year, I didn't get recruited by anybody. Uh, I kind of would go on a – to a junior college, and then I had high school teammates that the coaches would talk to and kind of ignore me. So um, a player development, uh, head of player development now from the Mariners named Andy McKay was the coach of Sacramento City College and called me in his office one day and basically said, hey, if you don't think you're good enough to play here, I don't even want you to come here. And he kind of challenged me saying, look, if you want to play in college, you want to play Division One, you want to play in pro ball, you're going to have to be able to play in junior college. And so I took that challenge and ran with it and got registered in my first year. I wasn't good enough. And uh, played two years at Sacramento City College, transferred to uh, Long Beach State, uh, was an infielder. When I got to drafted junior year, 23rd round, um, to the White Sox, played infield, uh, kind of ca- started catching sparingly, um, kind of got traded here for a player doing later or cash, which is pretty much nothing. And, uh, like, kind of started off the roster. And even this year, um, you know, before Luke Maley got claimed by the Blue Jays, I was pretty much going to be an off-the-roster catcher here in AAA. So, um, you know, coming into this year is pretty much just preparing myself to be go about my business the right way, take every day with a grain of salt. And um, when Luke got claimed, um, it opened up a spot for me here. So every day has been a blessing and just trying to take the opportunity to run with it. So it's it's definitely been a journey, and it's uh, it's been one that um, it'll be one for the ages, I guess. Well, you certainly have taken advantage of it. Two other things. I mean, you mentioned that you know you overcame some uh, you know issues at the high school level. To to expound on it a little bit, um, at least from what I read, you had what anorexia through your high school, basically because of the losing weight for high school wrestling. Is that right? And and is that a message you give to other? Is there a message you send to other kids, other young athletes on a daily basis? Absolutely, absolutely. It's something that uh, it started in, in junior high school. Um, it all, I, for me, it all stemmed from just some misinformation and for a, basically a lack of knowledge. And I think as our bodies mature, it's something for me. I go every year. I go to, to junior highs um, in the high schools, and my mom is an OBGYN, and she comes and she gives a, a, a speech to um, that I'll speak at. And we try to inform kids because it's a very confusing time when you're growing up, and especially in today's world where you get all the magazines, TV mm-hmm. shows, and and a lot of kids don't see themselves as maybe someone that's as mature as um, you know someone they see in, in as a celebrity, and so they don't know what to do. And so for me, I didn't know. I thought to get big and strong, uh, you know, is to not eat at all and work out a bunch. And the more and more that you the older as you get and you realize that's not how it's done. And so for me, it was definitely that lack of information. And so I never, I was definitely closed minded at the time, but I never, I never knew I didn't want to listen. And so now hopefully me being in a position where, you know, being a professional athlete, um, now getting a great deal of information on nutrition and everything that even I had to go through when that happened, Hopefully I can give that knowledge on to the youth and help them with, uh, you know, any issues that they come across. 
It's a great story, and certainly your your story of perseverance is, is one for, I think, fans to appreciate. Have you given any thought, because you've made a AAA All-Star team and being in AAA, to the possibility of hopefully someday soon getting to the big leagues? You know, that's something that I, I've always wanted. It's something I'll strive for. You know, there's not a day that goes by that I'm at the field or I'm at home and I'm not thinking about being in the big leagues. It's just an honor to be able to compete and to uh, to play this game. And you want to do it at the highest level, no matter who you are. And, uh, you know, my goal is to come up, hopefully, with the Rays and, and be able to provide some uh, a little spark plug, maybe be able to do something behind the plate and at the plate and uh, help this team win some games. Well, you've done a lot of that at the AAA level with Durham so far this year. Congratulations on a terrific year to this point. More success in the future, and thanks very much for a few minutes. Thanks for having me. That is Mike Margimo, one of four race AAA All-Stars, along with Willie Adamas, Patrick Leonard, and a guy who joins me now, reliever Andrew Kittredge, who also made his first ever All-Star game this week. Andrew, thanks for being with us. Uh, first of all, thank you. Um, yeah, it's been pretty awesome. Uh, it's kind of something I you know, I didn't really expect. Um, but, you know, having a good start to the year, you know, along with the rest of the bullpen down here, um, uh, you know, I'm just kind of humbled and honored to – to represent the Rays, and, uh, you know, I'm pretty excited about it. So, Is it extra special because it's in Tacoma and you had been with the Mariners organization, and I know you have uh, some family and friends out there too, right? Yeah, that does make it a little special. I mean, anytime you get a chance to go home uh, during the season is, is pretty cool. Um, you know, and, and then having it be in a park that I'm very familiar with, uh, an area that I, you know, grew up kind of playing in and and uh that does make it special you know i i i knew that that game was uh was going to be played there this year um i hadn't really put much thought into it other than 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 what than knowing that it was there but uh you know when i did find out that i made the all-star team uh it's pretty cool that uh that i knew that it was going to be going back home so what does that mean to your family oh it's pretty awesome i mean it's it's also an opportunity that they're going to get to come over and see me throw. And, um, and you know, just like I said earlier, it's just an opportunity to go home and, and get to see my family in a time of the year, which I don't get to see them a lot. So, You know, this is your first year in the race organization. You were traded from Seattle in the offseason. Obviously, the results have been good, but what overall has it been like in a new organization? It's different. You know, it takes a little adjusting, too. Um, I had been with the Mariners my entire career, and so that was pretty much all I knew. Um, you know, but coming in, everyone with the Rays has been very helpful in, in adapting. Uh, you know, it, starting in spring training, you know, it was uh, pretty easy from the get-go. Just uh, a lot of pretty good communication and, and a great group of guys. And, uh, you know, so far I've really liked what I see from the organization, and, and it's, uh, it's been fun to be a part of. You've put up some really good numbers. Uh, you're best at the AAA level. What's the biggest difference or change, if any, that you've made this year? Um, you know, I think a lot of it is just getting older and kind of maturing and knowing myself a little bit better. Um, you know, I think over the course when I was, over the course of my career when I was younger, you know, I think there's a times where I had good stuff and and I just wasn't the pitcher that I am today and uh you know I think it's a lot of it's just that just maturing just having played the game another year and uh and really having the experience that I've had you know playing 
be in my seventh year in the minor league. So um, I think that's probably a lot of it. Um, you know, I think I am my stuff, my uh, my pitches, my my stuff is is as good as it's ever been, uh, which which helps as far as that goes too. But I really think the answer to that question is just me being older and more mature and, and understanding what it takes to make myself successful. So, Are there any tweaks that Kyle Snyder, the pitching coach in Durham, has made? Um, just minor things here and there. Nothing really that sticks out uh, too much. You know, uh, you go a couple games uh, here and there where you're not executing a particular pitch or, or whatnot. You know, he's really good at kind of seeing specific little things uh, to tweak. Uh, I've been fortunate enough this year that I haven't really had to go through anything major as far as the change goes, but uh, yeah, definitely, you know, tweaks here and there, um, whether it's, you know, staying back in my legs a little longer or, or other little minor um, changes or, or just more, more just something to kind of be aware of that stuff like that. So uh, he's been very good about uh, helping me in that regard. That's for sure. And, being in AAA, obviously, you're one step away from the big leagues. With the year you're having, is it hard not to give any thought to the potential of that happening at some point this year? Well, I can't act like I haven't thought about it, that's for <laughs> sure. But, uh, you know, I do try to, uh, you know, not try to think too much about it because, you know, a lot of it's not necessarily in my hands or, or you know, it could, it, you know, so much of it is just timing and, and whether it's the right fit for the club and, and whatnot. So I just pretty much try to, try to keep all that out of my mind and just go out here where I'm at and try to do the best that I can be every day and, and try to make myself the best player that I can be. So, you know, for the most part, uh, I would say that I don't think about it, but I can't, I can't honestly tell you that I haven't thought about it. So, Well, your perspective is certainly the right one, and obviously it's a big part of the reason for your success. We wish you continued success, and uh, hopefully we'll see you up here sometime soon. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. And good luck to Andrew Kittredge and the other Durham Bulls the remainder of the season, and hopefully we see a few more like Andrew make a Major League debut. Now, one member of the bullpen already has this month. Adam Klerik now is the lone lefty in the Rays' pen, and we spoke this week about what this opportunity has meant. Well, it's it's really been, for me, it's, it's shown that, you know, all the years put in, you know, it's all been worth it. You know, I felt, you know, my whole career um, has been building towards, you know, this opportunity, and, you know, just because it took me a little longer to get here, you know, it really doesn't matter now. You know, it's all about what I can do at this level. And, you know, I've taken every uh, opportunity in the past to just get as prepared as I can for this time. So, you know, now that I'm finally here, you know, I feel like I'm ready for uh, my chance. Can you describe to race fans what that moment was like when you got the news and how surprised you were? Um, I mean, it's it's something that, you know, it's hard to put into words, but getting to call my parents right away and call my fiance. um and getting to share that moment with them, you know, meant meant the world. Um, you know, we've all been through the ups and downs together, uh, the long, uh, you know, the long uh, nights on the road, you know, in the minors. They, they can definitely be a grind. But uh, to finally uh, get to tell them that, you know, we're, we're go, we were going up, I, you know, I told them it's like, we, you know, we did it together, you know. So it's, it's really just been uh, just a blessing to have the ex- experience with them. When you go through the ups and downs of 350-plus appearances in eight years, I would guess there have to be, and it would be understandable if there were moments of self-doubt. Were there for you, and, and were there moments where you said, well, you know, what's next, or has this always been, I'm going to go as long as they're going to have to rip the uniform off? 
Uh, you know, I never felt like making it to the big leagues was like in my destiny or anything like that. You know, I never viewed it that way. For me, I just wanted to see how good I could get as a pitcher and then, um, you know, see, you know, with each passing level, you know, if I can compete and succeed. And I always felt like I was always improving, you know, even at times where, you know, maybe I didn't have the, you know, the best numbers uh, or, or the most success. You know, I always felt, you know, at the end of the you know, at the end of each season, you know, looking back at spring training, did I improve? And the answer was always yes. So in that regards, you know, uh, I, I just wanted to get to the point where I felt like I could tap out as a pitcher in terms of uh, my progression and improvement. And I still feel like I'm getting better. And, you know, I feel like I'm still improving. So in that sense, you know, I feel like I'm almost a young pitcher again. Is In this organization, where have you grown the most? Because you went from double to triple A last year, and this year in triple A you were dominant. Uh, you know, honestly, when I made the change in my arm slot about a year and a half ago, um, you know, what's taking, um, you know, as far as, you know, the longest in that progression, it's just been command. And this year, you know, when I came in uh, spring training and, you know, as this AAA season started, uh, I felt like my command was much better and I was getting a lot weaker contact. So in that sense, you know, I felt like that was the biggest jump uh, compared from this year to last year. And the moment you had in Baltimore to close out a game there, someone grew on, who grew up there, was that what's meant the most so far, at least moments in the big league level? Oh, absolutely. I mean, uh, it, it didn't take long for my friends and family to look up the schedule and already have all their tickets planned to be there every every day of the weekend. Uh, I was glad I got to get in and, uh, you know, at the end of the game, coming out of the locker room, getting to see everybody, it, it, that, uh, that was hard to... Uh, put into words as well but also you know just to share that moment with them meant, meant everything were you always a baseball guy growing up in baltimore were you an orioles fan was it kind of weird to be in that and how often had you been in that stadium before closing the game i mean i've definitely been to that stadium hundreds of times uh my dad uh, played baseball as well and growing up in the area we would go to games all the time as a kid uh and i've been to big games there you know like when cal tied the record uh for their consecutive games and even, in, you know, since I've been a minor leaguer, you know, I would go to a game every September when I got home in town. It's just kind of something me and my dad shared uh, and, you know, just enjoy going to the a big league stadium together. It's just, it, you know, I grew up with it and, you know, it'll never leave me. You mentioned the we and you mentioned a fiance. So is, this would make it a very complete year, I would assume. When's, when's the wedding or when was the engagement? So the engagement was uh, this past off season and getting married this upcoming uh, November. And yeah, it's been it's been a busy year already. It's it's only going to get busier, but it's it's certainly special. And you know, it's it's uh, 2017 is definitely a beautiful year so far. That is Adam Kolarik on what certainly has been an impressive season for him. Thanks to Adam for coming on our show today, and all of our guests, Malik Smith, Mark Topkin of the Tampa Bay Times, hitting coach Chad Natola, senior VP and GM Eric Neander, AAA All Stars Mike Marchma and Andrew Kittredge. If you ever have something you want to hear on the show, all you have to do is tweet me at Neil Solons. For my producer, Jason Barringer, I'm Neil Solons. Today from Hooters, Tyrone Square Mall in St. Petersburg. Next week, some recovered and recovering injured Rays.